call a pastor who believes in the necessity to expound the word of God. Preach the word. That's what Paul tells Timothy. His last will and testament, preach the word. God's people need to hear the word of God because it's food. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church of Beaufort, South Carolina. We're in a two and a half week mini series entitled Growing in Christ, in which Dr. Brogy from the book of Hebrews looks at the importance of ever learning more about God and the book he's inspired, the Holy Bible. Today we conclude Perpetual Infancy first of three messages from this series. As we rejoin Pastor Carl, he addresses why growth in Christ is so important and the consequences that arise when we fail to do so. It it is sad when a child, say, never grows up physically. We had a precious family here years ago, and they had a little boy, and the boy wasn't expected to live longer than four years, and He grew until he was nine, but they moved him around in a baby's stroller all nine years. And sadly, I did his funeral. And that's sad when you don't grow physically. And it's sad when you meet an adult who has some brain deficiency and can never grow mentally. But it's really sad when you don't grow up spiritually You have come to need milk and not solid food. An infant doesn't come to need milk. As soon as he's born, he's hungry. He wants to nurse. The only one who comes to need milk is someone who's gone back into childhood. And these people, like many today, due to dullness of hearing, had become sluggish, and they had lost their spiritual appetite for the things of God. Backslid into a second childhood. Do you realize this can happen? Lest we guard our hearts and our minds, it can happen. You can become in the spiritual realm anorexic, maybe even bulimic. It's okay to drink milk, but you need to move past milk. Now, because these people did not grasp the significance, the Melchizedekian priesthood as related to Christ, look what he says carefully in verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. You see those two words, not accustomed? It's one word in the Greek New Testament. It literally means without trial. Those who take milk only have never graduated to solid food or they've regressed back to it. Why? Because they've not put on trial. They've not tested the word of righteousness. They've not applied the exhortation that they have heard. They've not put into shoe leather the plain commands of Scripture. These people to whom the writer of the Hebrews is describing have become the way they've become because of a lack of application. And that will either keep you an infant or Christ or cause you to digress in your spiritual walk. One of the blessings of pastoring a church like this is people come here hungry. People want to learn the Word of God. They're not interested in a 10-minute sermon. They sit typically for an hour, and if you come for the second service, you get the best sermon because I cut nothing out. And sometimes I go an hour and 15 minutes. 
And it's exciting, but, you know, in some churches, you got to entertain people. It's like a child, you know, when we were feeding our kids growing up, and occasionally even with our grandkids, you know, you give them something that they don't necessarily like, so you kind of make it a game, and you get the beats, and you get the spoon, and and you fly it like an airplane, and then you boom in the mouth, and sometimes, of course, they blast it right back out at you. As I thought about it, there's a lot of churches like that. I was preaching in Chicago some time back, and... The Sunday morning service, and, and so I thought, well, I'm going to go to this big church that I've heard about, and they have this Saturday night service and see what it's like, since I can't go on Sunday morning. And they had this jazz band, none of it was Christian music, and then they had all these skits and dramas and entertainments, and people were laughing. And then the pastor got up and gave a, basically a 20-minute sermon, and it was nothing but padlum and milk. And I thought, this is really sad. And I thought, I wonder if this is typical. You never judge a church by one sermon. By the way, you go, you're looking for a church, go at least three or four times, generally speaking, unless you know it's just outright heresy. So in this large church, they had their own restaurant. So I sat down in the restaurant with a whole table of people, and most of the people at the table had been there for a long time, 10 years or longer. I said, let me ask you a question. Why is it that the elder board is 50% women and 50% men in light of 1 Timothy 2 and verse 12, where it teaches that a woman is not to fill the office of pastor? And then a couple of them got reactionary. A couple looked at me with cross eyes like, what are you talking about? And I realized I was speaking to a table of infants. And so all across America, we have congregations that are on their baby bottle, they're eating padlum, and the pastor is trying to keep them entertained and interested with his flying spoon. Here are these people, they're dull in their hearing, they're delinquent in their hearing, in their teaching, but they're deficient in their diet. And that's why they have not moved on and really why they regress. Now, fortunately, he doesn't stop there. He gives us some very practical ways in which they can grow. And so you can see the second point there on the outline is the pathway to spiritual maturity. The pathway to spiritual maturity. And so he's going to affirm three characteristics that marks the Christian who's on the pathway to growth. Notice how verse 14 begins, but solid food is for the mature. I mean, the first characteristic just falls off the page of Scripture. The spiritually mature ingest solid food. They ingest solid food. Now, milk is nothing more than pre-digested food. A cow has chewed up the grass, gone through a series of stomachs, and, and it's suited for infants because they don't have teeth. They don't have teeth that they can bite into something solid. They can't enjoy meat. Why? Because solid food is for the mature. And so the contrast here between verse 13 and verse 14 is just, it's plain, it's simple. The one who only continues to feed on the ABCs, the elementary truths, is not going to mature. One of our marine couples who moved to another city, he called me and he said, Pastor Carl, we're going to this church, and you know, we checked out the doctrinal statement. It seems solid. And I went online. He said, yeah, good doctrinal statement. He said, but they don't teach the Bible. It's not exegetical. The pastor the whole time tells stories, mostly about himself, gives all these illustrations, baptizes a couple verses here and there, but there's no depth to it. He said, what should we do? I said, look, you've got you know, three young children in your home. 
And you have just a slice of time to raise them up. And before you know it, those three kids in grammar school are going to be 18, and they're going to be off to college. And it's not that you won't continue to have a ministry in their lives, but it begins to drastically change. You as being the primary one building into their lives day after day after day will change. So I said, you really have one of three options. I said, have you gone to, we've gone to every church in the area, but there is one that's like 45 minutes away that we really like. And the pastor teaches the Bible. I said, that's option one. You might want to drive 45 minutes. Like we've got some people who drive an hour to come to church here. And they sometimes go by dozens and dozens and dozens of church churches because there's nothing. This, by the way, is what God said would happen at the end of time in the last of the last days that there would indeed be this uh, spiritual uh, lack of basic truth. I said option number two is, I said, join that church. Find the best, if this is the best Bible-believing church, you join it. Pray for the pastor, support the pastor, and be a self-feeder. We have people who every week, they tell me they live stream the first service, and then they go to their 11 o'clock hour for their in live with other people. That's okay. Not to mention, there's all kinds of opportunities today on the internet and, and through Christian websites where you can find solid Bible teachers where you can learn and, and grow on your own. I said the third option is get some other like-minded Christians together and pray and Maybe start a New Testament church and then call a pastor who believes in the necessity to expound the Word of God. Preach the Word. That's what Paul tells Timothy. His last will and testament, preach the Word. God's people need to hear the Word of God because it's food. And so those are your three options. I said one option you don't have, and that's to do nothing. And there are people who call me and they say, well, I'm not really a member of a New Testament church, but I live stream with you. I said, I'm so glad you live stream with me, but you need to become a member of a Bible-believing church where you can use your spiritual gifts and employ it in serving the people of God. But you see, babies, they're totally dependent on someone to hold the bottle. And if you aren't learning to pick up the food and put it in your mouth yourself, just means you're not growing. So number one, people who are on the pathway to maturity ingest solid food. Secondly, the spiritually mature implement God's truth. Look again now at verse 14, but solid food is for the mature who because of practice, circle that word practice, because of practice they have trained their senses. The writer is talking about exercising and obeying and implementing what God has shown you. My son, Grant, a Marine, and he owns some gyms, starting strength gyms. He texted me one day, and he said, do you know what sarcopenia is? I said, well, um, the Greek, I knew it was a Greek word, and I said, well, I can see it comes from two Greek words, sox, which means flesh, and penia, that means weakness or, or, or poverty. But I said, what's your point? He said, well, he said, once you reach 30, Dad, most people develop sarcopenia. I said, what is it? Sounds terrible. He said, beginning in your 30s, you begin to lose 3 to 5% of your muscle mass. And it increases a little bit in your 60s. And in your 70s, it becomes very rapid, where you're losing potentially 15 to 20% of your muscle mass. He said, but you don't have to. 
He said, Dad, I want you to be able to baptize people if Christ hasn't come when you're in your 80s and still strong. And of course, we we're out there in California, and here was a case in point. He introduced me to this 78-year-old cardiologist, and his physical therapist said there was nothing really he could do, and, and my son convinced him, no, you need to get under the barbells. And here was this guy, 78 years old, who was a lot stronger than I was, and it was convicting. So he gave me this book called Starting Strength. Now, it talks about all the exercise methods, and, but all the instructions in that book will do me absolutely no good if I never get underneath the barbell. Here's the point. You can hear sermon after sermon after sermon, and you can come here and critique the pastor and parse my words and never grow and just stay a spiritual baby. The mature are those who, through practice, obey and apply the Word of God. Listen, if you are worrying all the, the same way you were worrying five years ago, you're regressing. If you're still blowing your cork all the way you, you were five years ago, you are regressing. If you have no more fruit in your life than you did five years ago, you're just regressing. And it's not just knowing more, it's obeying what you know. And when you obey what you know, you begin to grow, which brings me into the third point. The spiritually mature identify good from evil. Those who are mature and maturing not only ingest solid food and implement, practice God's truth, but the spiritually mature identify good from evil. Look again here. Let's read all of verse 14. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. That word to discern, diacresis, literally means to divide. In other words, they have the ability to divide good from evil. And as we grow in our knowledge of word, of the Word of God and then begin to apply what we know, we develop spiritual discernment. Yes, some have that spiritual gift. But it's a responsibility we have as we grow up in Christ. The Scripture says here they have trained. They have trained their senses to discern good and evil. You see that word trained? It's the word gymnazo. We get our word gymnasium directly from the Greek. They've gymnasticized their senses through spiritual exercise, through the application of Scripture, to tell the difference between good and evil. Now, it's characteristic of little children to lack discernment. They'll put just about anything into their mouths. And the questions I get, I got 10 that came in just this week. I can't even begin to answer them all. But some of the questions that come in just show me how, how much lack of discernment there is. What do you think about this guy? I said, what do I think about him? He's a wacko. He's not even a believer but they listen to him because he's entertaining. Uh, a college student called me via the Bible line, and she said, I'm a student at the University of Georgia, and they're offering a course called Building Your Own Theology. And of course, there are campus ministries on every campus, and one ministry is the Unitarian Universalists. We have such churches in our own county. They believe a lot about nothing, sadly. And in either case, um, she said, I'm really confused. This was five years ago because this doctor dismantled the doctrine of the Trinity. I said, well, number one, that's the nature of Unitarianism. 
uni one. They affirm the oneness of God, but they deny his triunity. Well, now you can go online this afternoon and you can see the same course that's being taught on college campuses across America where they have a representative and in their churches across America, building your own theology. You don't want to build your own theology. You want to learn what God's theology is from Scripture. So let me read to you some of the topics that they're offering college students. They're studying such thing as gender fluidity and in their churches, safe sex, transgenderism, homosexuality, social justice, critical race theory, earth-centered spirituality, calm abiding meditation. Now, if this young lady had just even been a little bit discerning, she would have known that Dr. Gumballs wasn't worth listening to. Why? Because Paul says a natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. He cannot appraise them because they're spiritually discerned or appraised. Critical race theory. Oh, I better embrace that. You know, all these evangelicals, let's embrace critical race theory. They'll think I'm a racist. Critical race theory has nothing to do with racism. Social justice. Oh, yeah, we got to embrace social justice. God, it has nothing to do with biblical justice. But that's what the devil does. He packages things in a way that make it sweet and tasteful, but are far from the truth. And we have these lost liberal lying preachers who are reading the Bible. And remember, it's God's love letter to his people. The lost man can't even begin to understand it apart from the plan of salvation. And many have rejected that, and so their minds have become depraved and reprobate. Let me share some applications as we close. This is the first of three sermons, so I want you to come back for the next two Sundays. They're very important. Number one, ask yourself the question, do I have ears to hear God's truth? Do I have ears to hear God's truth? Now, we find in this passage some very clear delineations between an immature believer and a mature believer. A mature Christian is not someone who has arrived, because they recognize that none of us arrive until Jesus comes back, and in the twinkling of an eye, we are translated, and our sin nature is gone, and we become like Christ. But if you ever get so prideful, where you think you've come to the point where you've arrived, you're digressing. No, the spiritual Christian recognizes that he is to have a grown-up and a growing relationship with Christ. And so he or she is the person who ingests solid food, and he implements what he is learning, and he's able to identify between good and evil. And look, this is incredibly practical. Do I have ears to hear? You see, you can physically hear a sermon, but not hear it at all. He who has ears to hear, Jesus said, let him hear. So how do I know if I'm really maturing? Well, number one, there'll be an appetite for more of God's truth. There's a hunger for the Scripture to spend time with God, not just corporately, but alone. You will know that you are growing if you're coming to the point where you're beginning to teach, whether it's your children and grandchildren, your most important disciples, if we just did that right, the evangelical church would be drastically different. Not to mention other people in the church. We have people all the time who are finding Christ as their Lord. And ask yourself, am I becoming cleaner and cleaner? 
in a world that is becoming filthier and filthier. There's a tsunami of filth that is blanketing not just our nation, but our world. And it's what God said would happen at the end of time. What are those things doing to you? Are they overrunning you and overtaking you? Are you becoming more like Christ? And so if this morning, as you do some self-examination and you realize you're a babe or you've regressed into spiritual infancy, then ask God to forgive you and to cleanse you on the basis of the blood of the cross and to give you once again ears to hear. Second question this morning, do I know God better today than I did a year ago? Do I know God better today than I did a year ago? I hope you understand, again, there's a direct correlation between your obedience and your spiritual growth. The reason some of us have not grown like we have or we've digressed is because we've stopped obeying what we know. God shows you something specifically that he wants you to stop or he wants you to do, and you say, I won't do it. You'll digress. I don't care how well-stocked a library you have. I don't care how many thousands of sermons you have listened to. You will remain or digress into a spiritual pygmy if you do not apply what you know. By the way, there's a parallel passage in the epistle to James. The apostle James writes these words. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. It's easy for a Christian to become self-deluded. We think because we've heard a message preached and we've built our stock of knowledge that we're changed. Again, Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's possible for it to go through the physical ears, but not through the heart. And so he gives us some very practical instruction, as we will see in the succeeding weeks from other chapters in Hebrews. The same instruction. Before you can really seed in, you've got to read, weed out. And so James says, you're to put aside all filthiness. Let me give you three words. Remove. The first word is the word Remove. Remove all filthiness. Put it aside. And the word filthiness is an interesting word. It's a, it's a word that's used to describe wax in the ear. A very similar kind of picture. And some of us, our spiritual ears are plugged. We hear a sermon like this, and we go home, and we watch filth at night. And you're listening to some of the music that pagans listen to is no different. You go on some of these chat rooms and some of these internet sites, and you're curious, and you wonder why you're not growing, put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. The first word is remove. The second word is the word receive. In humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save. And most of you know there are three aspects to salvation. We've been saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin. That's sanctification. That's the sense of the word here. He's talking about so that you can grow in respect to your soul. In humility, receive the word so that you can be sanctified in this process of becoming more like Christ. And so when you hear the Bible, you ought to listen to it with your name written all over it. 
One of our brothers back there, Anthony, thank you for nearly 30 years. He just retired. 30 years serving as a deputy, protecting us. We need men like that and Jeremiah and police officers we have throughout this congregation. But he came up to me, yes. He comes up to me almost every week, and he just says it out of habit because he means it. He said, Pastor, that sermon was just for me. And we have too many vicarious sermon listeners. They're listening to critique, to cut down, to rip up for someone else. I wish so-and-so were here today. What does God want to say to you? Does God want to teach you? And some almost mentally with folded arms, I dare you to teach me something. In humility, if it's God's word, I don't care who the messenger is. If it's God's word, then you should receive it in humility. The third word is respond. And again, we'll see these three expressions as we continue this series from Hebrews. Prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. If you ever want to grow, you must obey what you know. And as you obey what you know, you just grow. Listen to this promise that Jesus gave us. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and disclose myself to him. I thought God loved everybody. He does in a broad sense. But in an experiential sense, it's the born-again believer who's keeping the commands of Scripture that God, in a fresh, ongoing, progressive way, discloses himself to you. It's an incredible promise that God himself will disclose himself to you. And the more you obey, the more you know of him, and the more you know of him, the more you love him, and the more you want to obey him all the more. It's an incredible process. Third and final question, have you ever been born? You say, that's a stupid question, preacher. I'm sitting here. Can't you see me? I'm not talking about physical birth. I'm speaking about a spiritual birth. Jesus taught before you can ever, ever, ever begin to grow spiritually, you must be born again, both to see, comprehend, and to enter the kingdom of God. And there are many people who have a false assurance of salvation. They know the plan of salvation. They've never met the man of salvation. And so their life has never changed. And others who don't even know what the plan of salvation is. And they're trying to grow and please God. You cannot grow until you're born from above. And you cannot be born from above where the Spirit of God comes to inhabit you and make you a new creation until your sin is forgiven. And your sin can never be forgiven until you own it for what it is. Yes, transgenderism, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, drunkenness, lying, self-righteousness, and on and on and on we can go. It's all sin. It's evil. And until you own your sin and put your faith where God puts your sin, you will never, ever be forgiven, and you will never see the inside of heaven, and you will go through this life physically alive, but spiritually dead. To listen again to today's message, Perpetual Infancy, the first of a three-part miniseries entitled Growing Up in Christ, use the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets, or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. You can also order a CD or DVD by calling 877-787-7478 
and requesting program GIC1. If you've never been to Israel, you owe it to yourself to visit the land of Abraham, Moses, the apostles, and of course, Jesus himself. Join us for one of our two Search the Scriptures trips to Israel this year. Dr. Brogy will be leading a trip in late September and another in mid-October, and he'll be giving a series of presentations as the group travels to Jerusalem, and Getty, Caesarea, the Mount of Beatitudes, Cana, and Bethlehem. Find out more at stsisraeltour.com. We hope you can join us. Tomorrow, Dr. Brogy's wife, Audrey, is in this time slot with her program for women, Mothering from the Heart. And when we return Monday, we'll look at a warning against not growing as we continue our mini-series, Growing Up in Christ. Join us then as we search the scriptures.